Welcome to Jumping On Point, the podcast where any episode could be someone's first. Since we forgot to do this up front, Cat uses she, her pronouns, Jake uses he, him pronouns, and I, Sky, use she, her pronouns. Thank you. This month we're talking about Brian Lee O'Malley's seconds. I'm joined by the most passionate chef in all of Pennsylvania. It's Kat. Hi, I'm Kat and I am good at making omelets and grilled cheese. (laughs) And I'm joined by the friendly ghost. It's Jake. Ooh, it's me! (laughs) Damn, ooh spooky. (laughs) Who's spooky? Uh, and I'm your host, Sky. What's your epitaph? Epitaph? Epithet. What's your epithet? I... The most popular podcaster in Canada. <laughs> I didn't think this through. I need to go back. Damn. Oh, shit. Just like in the comic book <laughs> seconds that we read for this episode of Jumping On Point. Oh, shit. The podcast starring Sky, Cat, and Jake. <laughs> Good job. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, okay, so, uh, Jake, you tell me, how how have you been this month? I've been doing pretty good. I uh, am rocking at my new job, I feel like. And I got Pokemon Sword, so that has completely eaten up my life. And uh, other than that, not much... How about you? I have a list of seven sword exclusive Pokemon. I need to finish my Pokedex. Can you help me with that after we record the podcast? Absolutely. Thanks. You're welcome. Is Absol one of them? What? Because he said absolutely. Forget it. <laughs> Ab- Bad bit. No, Absalom is the pervert lion from One Piece. <sighs> Uh, all right, so Kat, what have you been up to since last episode? Or, well, hold on. Did you have any more you wanted to talk about, Jake? No, I'm good. Yeah, um, not much. It's been up and down. Intercession class happened. Holidays happened. Um, Sky and I hung out in real life again for the second time. We're in the same room at the moment. Yeah, if we sound any different this month, that's why. Yeah, we went to Hot Topic. We got some ramen. We put our Hot Topic in the ramen and ate that. Oh, no. Oh, yeah, that is That's some power. Goth. I read about it on internet. <laughs> and Well, relevant to this episode, while we were at the mall, oh we went to FYE, where we got some more snacks to try after... After the hit eggnog bit. Mine's not relevant. There were pickle juice shots and Sky was like, you're on HRT, you should get that. (laughs) It'll help. And I went, okay. And now I'm morally obligated to drink this live on air. Balance out the grapefruit. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, I picked out something at least kind of relevant. Uh, Meiji brand Chaco Rooms, a mushroom shaped candy. Yeah, um, and you were saying earlier that they're like, they look like they're like Pocky. I think Meiji's the brand that makes Pocky. 
That would track. It, it seemed like it was in the import treats section. Jake, do you have any thematic libations? <laughs> well, FYE in Kansas is dead. Um, so to fight that depression, I went to the liquor store. <laughs> and I I found a beer called Suddenly Comfy, which is pretty relevant because she eats a lot of mushrooms to become suddenly comfy. <laughs> we'll get there. It's not a drug thing. <laughs> And I've got a I've got a four pack, so woo, we're gonna try to get through them all. I'm gonna drink this. Do it. The under the underside of the cap says "perform with pickle juice." It's made for like athletes, I think. Ah. Huh. Oh damn! She just did it in one shot. That is bravery. It doesn't taste that much like pickle. Huh. That's. The one thing I would want from a bottle of extreme pickle juice. I definitely had the salt content I need, though, so thank you for the recommendation, Sky. <laughs> Glad it worked out. Yeah, when, I, when I worked at Sonic in high school, there was uh, one of the car hops who would make a vanilla shake with pickle juice added in and blur stir that all up and uh it's made me sick every time yeah sounds nasty <laughs> sounds yeah, terrible like half expecting you say and they didn't survive <laughs> they died instantly. i mean i haven't seen this person in about 10 years so who's to say oh no <laughs> could be dead yeah, and yes, and Sky, how has your month been? Been pretty fun. Uh, obviously, we had Christmas, and I was real proud just to get the podcast up and running on Christmas Eve. But uh, besides that, I've learned that now that I have to talk about what I've been up to, I've noticed a pattern, <laughs> which is that when I'm left to own my own devices, I just go into a rabbit hole of some dumb bullshit. Okay. Last time it was Santa May. <laughs> this time it's uh, because of a one-off comment on our sister podcast, Standoff, where they, they do a JoJo bracket. Kat mentioned, she mentioned that she was traumatized by one of those Toonami shorts, causing me to remember that <laughs> that Toonami has lore and watch all of them in one sitting. Oh, fuck. I forgot. Did you play the, the Toonami browser game? No. No, it's, there was at least two separate ones where it's obviously like, Tom's gotta run to the computer, and then he looks at the camera and says, Well, maybe if the users back on Earth log on to CartoonNetwork.com, we could beat the... <laughs> the enemy ship. <laughs> Yeah, and one of them, he gets eaten by the blob. Yeah, yeah, that's how it first came up, is that there's some stand that looks like a blob, and yes. <laughs> and yeah, that's the first thing to happen, is that the original host of Toonami fucking dies live on air. <laughs> welcome to Toonami, no I'm fucking dead. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. 
And what is there? There's been five Toms? Uh, yeah, well, that's a bit of a contentious topic if you want to really get into it. Uh, <laughs> the short version... I know that nobody likes the new one. Well, sort of. So, the original idea was that, yeah, because he's a robot, you could show him dying, and that's just an excuse to give him a new character model, you know, like, like Doctor Who does, or like... Actually, yeah, that's the only thing I could think of that does that, but... <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, so... Originally, the idea was that he went up to Tom 4, and... That was the one with the weird kind of realistic Thomas the Tank Engine face, and no one liked it. Oh, that's what I'm thinking of, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, and then when Adult Swim brought it back, they had this little, like, 10-second commercial where a guy who looks like the robot that came before that is calling the, the Thomas the Tank Engine one, and he's like, Thanks for filling in for me on my long vacation. <laughs> and maybe we'll see you again someday, buddy. So so he's written out. He doesn't count. And he gets eaten off screen in some fucking side comic that I read on the wiki. Oh, he does? Well, they they half-ass it. They say that uh they have the comic where he's set up in a new base and he has to fight the intruder blob and then uh he wins and then in the next short they're like the intruder blob did kill him though <laughs> so <laughs> karmic justice oh that's fucking good for only airing naruto my dude i mean there's nothing wrong with a little nart it can't be the only thing in your anime diet, though. You gotta... It will be when we get into... Tom Tom 4 really liked Filler Hell, though, and that's all he played. Like on what? Repeat. The Naruto Filler Hell, where it was just like 150 episodes of filler in a row. Yeah, no, what you can't say that, because when we get to our two-year-long stretch where we just read all of Naruto... <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna yeah, have to each one of those volumes is going to be an episode mm -hmm. well yeah but reading naruto isn't going to be bad because it just goes you know from part one to shippuden the anime is like part one's over here's 150 episodes that will not matter to the overall story and then here's shippuden <laughs> do, do you want my naruto hot take it may yeah, give it to us Naruto thematically peaked during the village hidden in the mist arc with Zabuza and Haku, and it could have ended there and been a perfect, like, 12-episode anime. <laughs> that was thematically, I feel like. What's what's Naruto's dad's name? Kishin Kishimori? I don't I know. that's the author's name. Yeah, that's Naruto's dad. <laughs> like how Geppetto is Pinocchio's dad and he made him. Kishimori is Naruto's dad because he made Naruto. But doesn't he have an actual dad who put the demon in his gut? Yeah, Pikachu. <laughs> okay, thank you. I mean, like, basically, he's a really fast electric boy, so... See? I was gonna say, I'm not even gonna ask for clarification there. Yeah, I feel like Kishimori's overarching bit for that first Shrek and Arto was like, hey, having child soldiers is bad. And he could have just ended it there and been like, yeah, we got it, instead of going on for a million more years. Yeah, it feels like every time I've seen something try and tackle 
hey, child soldiers are bad. They just can't stop themselves from just keeping it going. Being like, ah, you know, maybe these, uh, the child soldiers are cool and hip and sexy, though. It's like Gundam. Ah, uh, child soldiers are bad, but hey, cool robot. I was about to say the same thing. I was about to, yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Wavelengths. <laughs> yeah, we all vibe in on the same level. Just to keep my train of thought going, do either of you have any questions about the deep tsunami lore? <laughs> um. Uh, who's who's the fairy that hangs out with Tom? Who's Tom's Cortana? That's uh Sarah, and yeah, she's a ship AI that they just keep moving from ship to ship and eventually they came up with some excuse where like even though you're the the base's computer i'm projecting you out of my robot body as a fairy so you could travel along damn apple apple's not slick if you take the a in sarah and you make it an i then it's siri Got him. <laughs> yeah, it's it didn't have subtitles. I don't know whether or not Sarah with an H or Sarah like that. Fair. I I assume that like a Sarah that's part of a computer wouldn't have an H. Yeah, yeah. it's a little presumptive, but too cool for the H. Exactly. The H stands for headroom. Huh? Like Max Headroom, the computer man. I don't know what you are talking about. <laughs> I'm just gonna leave that there then. Uh That's a whole can of worms. Yeah. Aside from that, uh something just activated in the back of my brain and I decided to get real fucking into the Muppets. <laughs> That's about where I've been at. Nice. And oh, and we all read seconds. Yeah. Hey, before that, I wanted to do my bit. I'm about to try one of the the chocolate mushrooms. Get that crunch. It's bad audio. Sure is. Uh, Tastes pretty good. It's like we were guessing earlier. It's pretty much just Pocky in a different shape. It's pretty tasty, though. It's just Pocky, yeah, but it's good. And uh, my beer's all right. Oh, yeah. It's an imperial ale brewed with apple juice, cinnamon, allspice, which, what the fuck is that? And vanilla beans. It's like cinnamon and nutmeg and shit. Just all of them at once. And now I have a little plastic bottle full of pickle smells. (laughs) What about peanuts and walnuts and pineapple smells? Um, no. No. I do not... No, I'm not familiar with Donkey Kong. I'm sorry. You knew enough to say that. Mm-hmm. That's the joke. I'm funny. Funny. <laughs> it's gonna be the new trend. Yeah, that's it. it, it standoff has will get there. When we make shirts, it's just gonna be, we're funny. It's spelled with an I-E. Mm-hmm. We're funny. It's F-U-N-N-Y-I-E. Yes. Why silent? <laughs> Funny. Yeah. Okay, so anything else we want to get out of the way before we start talking about this month's comic? Oh, wait a minute. Huh? Yeah, I'm looking at the pile of stuff I have in front okay. of me, and there is something I meant to talk about. 
Oh yeah. So as I as I mentioned last time, Klaus is a continuing series where uh, the creators Grant Morrison and Dan Mora make a new one every year. And so after our episode came out, I picked up 2019's issue, The Life and Times of Joe Christmas. And I gotta be honest, I've uh, I've got two minds about it. Uh, I I let Cat read through it earlier, but do you know about this, Jake? I know about it, and I remember making my hopes and predictions for it last time, but I have not read through remember it yet. Remember how I said that Klaus is really good at like implying a larger story and gesturing towards something that could be happening. Yeah. Would you want an issue that's all that? Wait, that's just all like, hey, there's something else happening? Yeah, because what this is, is in uh, the website described it as advent calendar style. Mm -hmm. It is 25 vertical double page spreads with uh, no dialogue or narration giving you glimpses of the life of someone that Klaus has adopted, the presumed Joe Chris. Is he the cabbie Santa? No, he's... Oh, yeah, I remember that prediction. That's a bummer. Going by the way he looks in the lineup of other Santas, I would call him, like, the pulp space adventure Santa. And, you know, if you've ever seen, like, an Adam Strange or a John Carter, he... He's kind of like that. Uh, weirdly relevant to our first episode, he does have a pet cat. Yeah, oh, <laughs> makes sense. That's it. Somehow he knew. Uh, he rescues the Beatles at one point. <laughs> Favorite Santa story, when he rescues the Beatles. Yeah, and again, that's... I don't know how else to describe it, aside from what I've already said. Like, it's just images that give you an idea of the adventures these two have went on, but without actually telling any of those individual stories. So, as beautiful as this art is, and as much as they're able to get across by doing this, I have to admit I still felt a bit underwhelmed in practice i agree it's especially after the most recent one before this being the best one it's kind of a bummer yeah that does sound pretty like disappointing it, it feels like it was a cool premise but not executed well it, am i kind of getting that right yeah it i'm not sure I'm not sure how much of that is the premise and how much of that is the execution because like the idea of of going through the life and times and small glimpses is a good premise, but like I mentioned, the official description is advent calendar style, so I get the feeling that was the first thing they came up with. <laughs> right, and it works as that. Like, you can look at one of them each day, and it has, like, 1 through 25 up in the top right corner so that you know which one it is. And it's neat, but it's not... Klaus. Yeah, it's a taste of Klaus, and you get... Wafts. <laughs> <laughs> it's like watching a trailer for something, or like a higher light reel of a whole season of a show. It's 
gives you the idea, but it doesn't do it for me. Nothing yeah. wrong with that. Um, I'm breaking kayfabe. Before we go into the summary, I have to pee. Welcome to Standoff. The only podcast where we put stands for George's Bizarre Retro against each other and a bracket to determine which one is objectively the best. My name is Kat and I use she, her pronouns. Oh, we forgot to do pronouns at the top. Uh, yeah, Kat's back from the bathroom. <laughs> That's not what you think. We can cut that from the episode. People don't have to know that I peed. I mean... <laughs> I don't know what is a smooth way to go from whatever we were talking about to... And we're back without saying that we're coming back from something. Like, it's fine. Yeah. Are we going to talk about seconds now? Was there something else? Uh, I can't remember. I'm good if we're all good. I think, yeah, I think we were about to start talking all about right, it. So, Oh, I just, I, just, I just thought of a joke. Mm-hmm. If you add the chance to change your fate, would you? <laughs> right over my head, but sure. What, Brave? The, the the Brave? The movie with the bear mom? Haven't seen it. Somebody out there loved that. Oh, I'm sure. I giggled. Thank you. Do I mention up top that uh, this time Jake was kind enough to write a recap himself, so I'll let him decide how we divide this up. And I don't know. I when I uh, when I wrote it i practiced it practiced it a few times just kind of trying to do like the the quick read style and uh we could each do like three paragraphs at a time or something yeah that sounds good to you looks like a good chunk on my phone without counting how many are there right so uh i'll start or are we are we back to recording it actually (laughs) we're just talking about oh, um... yeah we never stopped recording <laughs> well i mean not like actually but like back in kayfabe <laughs> okay so if if bathroom is forbidden topic how do you want to bring us back in <laughs> yeah uh thank you for purchasing and sharing your information about the life and times of Joe Christmas with the sky. And I think that unless anybody has anything else, we should go ahead and move right into seconds. Sounds good. And this month, uh, Jake was kind enough to write his own recap for all of seconds. So, uh, we're each going to be reading from that rotating between the three of us. Unless anyone else has any objections, I think he should do the honors. As anyone else, I think that's fine. (laughs) Alright. What if you had a second chance? Katie was a chef. Once upon a time, she'd started a restaurant with some friends. Four years later, and most of her friends had moved on. She was burnt out. Her restaurant, the titular seconds, is successful, but doesn't fill the space in her heart it once did. She's got her heart set on running a new restaurant in the abandoned and run-down, yet beautiful Lucky's, which she wants to rename to Katie's. One night at Seconds, while walking the floor and greeting customers, Katie sees her ex-boyfriend Max. This causes her to panic and run to the back of the store, which is for some reason in the basement, and into the kitchen, where she proceeds to shit-talk and then hook up with the new head chef, Andrew, who she'd been training to replace her. While they're in the back room getting some, they hear a loud scream from the kitchen, 
They rush out to see Hazel, one of the servers, covered in fryer grease because Andrew wasn't in the kitchen. She had gone in to grab some parsley and somehow dumped the fryer on herself. Uh, Katie rushes her to the hospital and then returns home to her apartment above the restaurant. Blaming herself for the accident, she remembers a weird dream she had the other night. A weird girl was standing on her dresser. She pointed at it and said, If things go wrong, don't forget. Before disappearing into the dresser and, well, shit went wrong. She tears through the dresser and finds a mushroom, a notebook, and a card with some rules. The rules say, 1. Write your mistake. 2. Ingest one mushroom. 3. Go to sleep. 4. Wake anew. So she writes that she shouldn't have canoodled in the workplace, verbatim, and eats the mushroom, expecting nothing to have actually happened. When she wakes up the next day, she finds out that Hazel isn't in the hospital, and Andrew remembers nothing. Gasp. It actually worked. She isn't sure what's going on, but decides she needs to talk to Hazel. She asks around, and people say she's a little weird, leaving food out at night and putting clothes in the rafters. So that night, Katie waits until close and sees her doing these weird things. She asks her about it, and Hazel tells her about house spirits. She treats the house with respect and leaves out gifts to honor it. Katie thinks that's weird, but accepts it. She goes to sleep, and lo and behold, the food and the clothes are gone the next morning. Later, she finds a bunch of mushrooms growing under a floorboard in the storage room. The same kind of red-capped mushroom she had eaten before. She brings them back up to her room, and the weird girl she saw in her dream tries and fails to take them from her, telling her she only gets one. Katie finds out her name is Liz and tells her to leave. Liz shows off her powers by moving all of Katie's furniture in the blink of an eye and disappearing. Katie runs to Hazel with this and tries to bring her back up to her room to show her list, to realize that only Katie can see her, and tries to prove to Hazel that Liz exists. She moves all the furniture again and disappears. That night, Katie sees Max back at the restaurant again. He tries to talk to her, but she ends up almost barfing and she runs away. And she realized she could use the notebook to fix the situation and have told him off way cooler. She does it and it works. The next day she goes to Lucky's to talk to the contractor about progress. The more they fix, the more problems they seem to find. And while they tore down, Katie finds a cool cauldron that totally is just a pot, nothing special, and takes it with her. When she gets back, she sees there's some weird dirt in it and decides to dump it on her floorboard mushrooms, thinking it might help them grow. And grow they'll need to, because oh boy, did she have some plans for these guys. She begins to use them excessively, getting sloppy drunk and wishing that she hadn't to wake up feeling great, staying up too late watching TV, and then wishing she'd gone to bed on time, and waking up feeling great. She eventually decides to make it so she never broke up with Max. She decides to choose a building that isn't a dump for her new restaurant, and all the while we see a weird black substance growing in the mushroom patch. Eventually, the black substance begins to look like Katie and starts invading her dreams. Things continue to go wrong for Katie, and every time they do, she uses the notebook and mushrooms to fix it. All the while, the black substance is growing and spreading. After so long of this, Katie goes and talks to Hazel, who shows her an old children's book of dueling house spirits. It seems a lot like what is going on, and Hazel thinks maybe Katie let something in. Katie returns to the restaurant, and oh, what, the workers are skeletons now? She goes to talk to Andrew, who she's apparently still been having an affair with, even though being married, after fixing a relationship with Max. She didn't know. Max sees them and learns about the affair, and Katie runs away. 
She locks herself in her room and wishes she had fired Andrew a long time ago. But this time when Katie wakes up, something's wrong. Things are changing around her. One minute she's hugging Max and then everything shifts and she's on the other side of the room and one of the servers is hugging him instead. The sky is red and most people are skeletons. She goes to take another mushroom and it flies out of her hand and towards the back room where they were growing. The inky blackness that we've seen growing has manifested and takes the mushroom from her. She runs back to Max, who now doesn't remember her at all. Hazel disappears mid-conversation. Everything goes black and Katie wakes up in her room, empty except for the bed, the dresser, and Liss. Katie screams at Liz to fix this, but Liz says this isn't her doing, it's the one in the earth. Katie suddenly remembers about the cauldron and the dirt she dumped on the mushrooms and realizes that it's like the story she brought in a spirit that doesn't belong, one that starts to rip apart the entire building. Katie starts trying to talk to the being and asks her to let it take her home. She says they're too far away and that this is her home now. Katie realizes that every time she uses the mushrooms, she didn't just change things, but she moved herself onto a different timeline, and that she's worlds away from her own home. Eventually, she talks the spirit down and realizes that it's a mirror of her. It shrinks back down and back into the cauldron. Katie returns it to Lucky's, where it becomes happy and content. Katie finds it one last mushroom, and instead of using it, gives it to Liz. Liz eats it, and everything goes black. Katie wakes up in her original timeline. She's in the hospital and waking up from a coma. She sees that Hazel's arms are still burned. Sad that nothing changed and everything was back to normal. Until Hazel tells her what's been happening. In this timeline, her and Katie had begun talking at the same time they had in the others, but since they weren't solving some weird spirit mystery, they became friends. She goes back to seconds and finds Max waiting outside. They finally get to have the talk he wanted when he first showed up in seconds at the beginning of the book. They miss each other and get back together. Everything begins to <laughs> get better. Hazel starts dating the goofy looking line cook and Katie falls back in love with seconds. But eventually, she's finally able to open Katie's as its own huge success. What? Uh, it's called Lucky's at the end. She keeps the old name. Oh, I didn't notice that, to be honest. I thought, okay, that is... That's an interesting touch. It shows how she's grown. And I wanted to say, Jake did some nice editorializing where when the notes say that Max and Katie got back together, it surprised him. And it surprised me too. Yeah, I really thought that she was just going to kind of end up telling him off and being like, no, I'm good with how things are. This is this you know, version of me is fine or something like that. Same, but they're working together to fix it without magical intervention. And that's nice. Very happy. And I like that. Now, I feel like there's something important to address. Your recap was beautiful, but near the end, you started talking about timelines without having addressed the plot point that was revealed that the mushrooms weren't just like fixing mistakes. It was actually jumping timelines to just instances of seconds where those things didn't happen which i think is very interesting oh yeah i guess i could have gone into more detail um yeah it's a very 
cool mechanic that I definitely didn't uh, like when it got revealed that that's what was happening. Like I was, I thought it was so cool. Oh, it's not a go back in time thing. It's just go to another time thing. <laughs> yeah, and I think it it makes for a really interesting metaphor that in trying to make things perfect, she's distancing herself from her actual friends and she's she's more invested in the ideal versions of her friends and co-workers in her head as opposed to the ones who are really there. Her moving further and further away by world hopping is a good way to show that. Exactly. And the image they use for it is really beautiful. At one point, like, Liss pulls her into, I guess, like, Liss's space and they see seconds in, like, the crooks of branches in this big tree and a bunch of pinpoints of light and seconds keeps disappearing and reappearing throughout it and that's like showing the timeline splitting and moving away from each other and it's it's cool this is a really well drawn comic not to move away from the plot too much but yeah well now that we've given a basic recap i think this would be a good time to run down what we each liked about it and go into more detail about the art and the finer details of the plot would you like to start with that sky uh yeah so now that i've got a better hang of what this show's going to be i took a few notes on specific pages i wanted to talk about so give me a second to pull that up uh yeah so one thing i think really uh gives this book a unique personality only done once or twice, but there are these far zoomed out shots where we see an entire floor of seconds as a diorama, and it's a really good look. And for a for a book that is about this place and what it means to be a place, a home, uh, I think showing all of those interactions at once by giving you a cross-section of a whole floor like that was, was a really good visual. It is, I think it also sets up for later, um, when the second house spirit is making changes to the layout of seconds, you get another kind of similar look, and it shows how twisted and winding and labyrinthine it's become. As opposed to the beginning. Yeah, and that brings me to... There's a lot of neat visual tricks that this book... I think partially because this was one book and Brian was able to decide on the length and able to... uh, Yes, I know him on a first name basis. Thank (laughs) you very much. Uh, Me and Brian. (laughs) Yes, okay. Mr. O'Malley (laughs) was able to decide to make the book a bit longer than a standard volume, and he knew exactly how long he wanted the story to be, so that gives each page more room to breathe, and because of that, he's able to do a lot of very interesting visual ideas with negative space. In particular, I wanted to highlight pages 50 and 107. These are 
The first and second time she makes a revision, and we see what by normal comic standards would be rows of panels. There are entire panels worth of space that are just the white page with a single line of text, and uh, what would be the second to last row of panels has one of those in the middle contrasted with what would be the bottom row, where the only thing is one panel of a solid color with the end of the narration in it. The specific lines here are, she woke up and something had changed. She woke up feeling amazing, which, yeah, I, I've been having a hard time describing it, but I think seeing these two sides of a coin is a good way to show show a change to try and simulate waking up somewhere different that makes sense yeah i those pages are really striking just because they're so visually different from any of the others in comic and i also wish that i woke up feeling amazing one of these mornings (laughs) (laughs) eventually i'll get enough sleep i'm sure yeah you know what when i was on my second read through i didn't really think about it as like her waking up somewhere new but that is a really good way of showing that before actually telling us that's what happened that's what's happening when i read it i was just like damn that just makes it really impactful just like telling us there's a change it's like really powerful but you're totally right like that's just a really kind of subtle but good way of telling us that she is somewhere else only other one that really stuck out enough to me to talk about was uh 241 uh you mentioned in the recap one of the last worlds she goes to is so different that skeletons have started appearing in the place of the people she used to know and the first time we see one of those it's one of the only two objects in the book to break the panel border it exists on a layer on top of the comic. You know, it sounds really obvious why I say it like this, but it makes the skeleton feel really out of place. And it is. Spooky. But they're cute, though. Also. They're very cute skeletons. Oh, Grim Fandango-looking motherfuckers. They are Grim Fandangos, yeah. <laughs> like, one of my favorite bits from the entire book uh, comes from that because she's like talking to Andrew and she's just kind of so freaked out by the skeleton and she's like but but he's but he's and Andrew's like he's what a skeleton get over yourself dude <laughs> yeah it's the best. I just I loved that like I, I what I thought was that like he wasn't even going to acknowledge it but just be like yeah that's you know that's Joe whatever <laughs> he's like like, and he just only she was seeing them as skeletons, but like, no, he's just like, what? Yeah, he's a skeleton. So it's just a world where there are skeleton people. Yeah, get used to it. It's it's also also it's also a world where Scott Pilgrim and Ramona Flowers are there <laughs> because in the hell world, they are in the restaurant eating food. Oh, shit. Yeah, it, that's on page. I can find it real quick. I'd recognize that hair anywhere. Yeah, I wonder why. Because that's my root. <laughs> it's page 239. Oh, damn, I was going the wrong direction. Yeah, and God, the, hey, after, after you notice that, I want to jump into my favorite part of this book. Wait, 
239 for me is... Uh... sorry. Um... Oh, okay. I was like, 239 is a picture of a door. The fives look <laughs> a lot like threes. This is a confusing yeah. font. Oh, shit, that is them! Oh, that is so cool. At least the pages have numbers. Hush. <laughs> oh, <laughs> man, hush. Oh, man. I much prefer sweating bullets to hush, even though they're very disparate things. Um, okay, now, if we're gonna bring that up, let's, uh, we're, all three of us are fans of Got It Memorized and the the Orange Groves podcast network. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of those shows is running an ARG, and one of the puzzles in that ARG involves decoding codes by looking up individual words in batman hush by page number line and then word yeah and let me tell you you really don't think about the structure of the comic until you're forced to count each individual page and then figure out whether or not a sound effect counts as a line you were the hero of that part of the arc what what was the worst to me is that like everybody was doing it and we had like different editions of Hush where there was like a few different <laughs> pages in the beginning and so everybody's like page one was a little bit different and so we, none of us could figure it out. <laughs> and then Botar was like, oh, uh, wait, here's how to fix it. You can't just name drop Botar from Bionicle but we just had to explain what the orange chromes was. <laughs> It's fine. You know, our pal, the Bionicle, he was texting us for a while. <laughs> yeah, I, I've texted Bionicle. Jealous? You should I be. I text this morning. <laughs> I'm gonna text him right Do now. It. But yeah, <laughs> to move on from that, listen to it, it's good. The arg's almost over, it's on like its last legs now, I think. So you probably won't be able to take part by the time this comes out, but fun to listen to. Uh, my favorite part of Seconds by far, and a lot of what Brian Lee O'Malley does, like Scott Pilgrim and Snot Girl are no exceptions from this, um, is the fashion. There are a lot of outfits in this I would like to steal and wear. Everything the character Hazel wears, the star dresses that the servers wear in the um, Hell World, they're like black with a field of stars on them. Um, Lise has an outfit that's like a oversized black fur coat. And an oversized t-shirt that says boy on it. And no pants. And that's just a good look for a lot of reasons. Mostly irony. Yeah. uh, I don't really have much to say. Because yeah, my one big note was that I also want the uh, server uniform from the the Witch Worlds. That was super cool. Uh, Yeah, I just pulled up the star dress. Yeah, I love that dress. You can see it on the page before where Scott and Ramona are. Page 258. I love that Grand Fandango-ass band in the restaurant in the Hell World. There's just a bunch of skeletons playing brass instruments, for one. Don't got lungs. What are you doing, Brian? Don't got lungs, don't got lips, but it's okay. Someone makes a joke about it. Do they? Yeah, Katie says, like, how is he playing woodwind? Oh my god, that's so good. (laughs) <laughs> did not notice that that is fantastic oh yep it's right there how's a skeleton playing woodwind <laughs> the clarinet 
flipping through the book now, uh, there's a similar sequence I wanted to touch on. Not similar sequence. There's something that happens right after, where to demonstrate things becoming more and more unstable, she goes outside and says it's snowing, but the way snow is represented here is by erasing chunks of the panel to just, like, it's just leaving the blank white gutters of the page. His use of white space is, like, we were already saying this, but, like, yeah, his use of white space is just very powerful. It is. It's, and it's the way the book's formatted, too, because, like, even though this is the format the book was originally written for, there are solid white borders, like, around all the pages. They don't completely fill them, and I feel like, I don't know, that could have been leading up to that. It could be just a stylistic choice, but I feel like the use of white space throughout all of Seconds is, yeah, powerful. Yeah, I think it's not just leading up to that moment, but as a more general theme, you know, she feels lonely, the house is empty, there's a lot of things you could represent by leaving that much empty space, and I think it does, throughout the throughout the different moments in the story, express a lot of different things. I I agree, and the last two pages are a full two-page spread where the page is entirely filled, so that makes that a little more striking than it might otherwise be. Yeah, like I said, I really appreciate it when comics take advantage of things you could only do in comics. Uh, I don't think I've had the chance to mention it on this show. Give me a second to stall while I look up the exact number. Um, so they... Call him Vamp, not because he's a vampire, um, but because he's bisexual. I think that's I a really stall, interesting not fact vamp. about it doesn't, The joke doesn't even work. <laughs> Wait, what? What is what is this? Vamp from Metal Gear Solid Two. He's a vampire, but they call him Vamp because he's bisexual. Oh my god. What I'm doing is I'm stealing a bit from Export Audio, because that's the only way I can be funny, is by cribbing the jokes of others. Okay, so, now that I've found it, I wanted to point to something that is, on the one hand, functionally the opposite, filling as much space as possible, but feels stylistically similar to me. My favorite page in comics is Octopus Pie 858. It's about someone getting stuck in a Ferris wheel, and the top quarter of the page is just formatted like a a normal webcomics page, but then it fades to black, and it is panels spread out across, like, different seats on the Ferris wheel, and it is extra tall in a way that would be impossible to print, and... Again, that's what I like about it. It's doing something that only a comic and only a webcomic could do. That is awesome. Yeah, you showed me that before. It's really striking, too. Like, the way a lot of it's dark and the spokes of the Ferris wheels lit up. That was Octopus Pie, page 858. Mm-hmm. I recommend you all look it up. I feel like I'm here to say... Well, Jake, did anything in seconds particularly stand out to you that we haven't already covered that you wanted to hit? Um, I think that what really stood out to me the most was 
I I just I really loved the ending of like the message to me because I hadn't really thought about you know her moving away from her friends and everything was just you can't be focused on trying to fix things you just you know have to accept where you're at and you know try to make the best of that because what's happened has happened and if you try to change what's happened you're just gonna have a hard time and things will be okay it's, it's a really beautiful message for it to have i think yeah there's one of my strongest memories from high school was my robotics teacher telling me i keep changing the thing too much i keep fixing it until it's broken and this book really takes that as a theme and completely explores it and a way I really appreciate now. I really like that line. Keep fixing it until it's yeah, broken. Yeah, that's good. Your your robotics instructor was profound. Yeah, only that one time. <laughs> <laughs> the rest of the time, he was a fucking shithead. <laughs> so, Seconds is a great story about learning how to accept failures and to continue on despite them that I can't not compare to Scott Pilgrim because it's the same art style that O'Malley used for Scott Pilgrim. Well, if we're talking about that, I would go as far as to say it's not necessarily about accepting failure because in the right. start of the book, the restaurant seconds isn't a failure, but it's a success that she's gotten bored with and it's lost a lot of its charm now that her friends are gone and i in context i can't help but think of it in terms of what must have been the author's anxiety about trying to follow up such a hugely popular comic you know it was a success but it's a success he had to move on from that makes more sense i i like that read on it that is yeah, really good. No, I, I definitely think that's the case. Yeah, you're right. Failures was the wrong way to say that. Yeah, like we've all been saying. So accepting what you can't change. Rolling with it. Yeah, that is definitely a better way to wording it. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like I don't think it as much as I was thinking when I was reading it this morning follows up on the thematic elements of Scott Pilgrim. I think it's a lot more of what Sky says in that it's a meta thematic follow up to Scott Pilgrim of what Brian Lee O'Malley may have been experiencing when I met him in that Barnes and Noble for a release of seconds. It does reuse a lot of similar imagery, in particular the fact that the witch from Lucky's manifests as a as a nega Katie mm -hmm. really seems like that was an idea he enjoyed and wanted to explore more fully, and I think he did. And that he may be continuing to explore in Snot Girl, not yeah, as... You tell me. I don't know, it's hard to say, Volume 3 isn't in print yet, but yeah, no, I I, I agree. And just the idea of kind of growing up, because I think that's something Katie does a lot in this. Because it yeah. seems like second success was kind of just predestined, like it just happened without a huge amount going on. There were folks who put up the money, she had the talent for it. And everything just went right. And at the end, she knows to like... And throughout, she's like working hard at things. But it's not until the end that she really accepts that like... Sometimes hard work doesn't pay off and grows from that. But it does work out for her. Yeah. 
Yeah, it seems like we're winding down, but yeah, it seems pretty obvious. All of us really enjoyed this, and I want to say thank you for putting it up on your list, because I burned through it when it first came out, and I very much was like, uh, it's not Scott Pilgrim, though. Where's the, where's my gamer references? <laughs> gamer! <laughs> no, I, I enjoyed it at the time, but yeah, I definitely did burn through it and didn't really think about the themes too hard, so it's been really nice revisiting it. Same. I mentioned this guy earlier, this was like my fifth time reading it. It's the only time I really got all the themes, and I'm just remembering it's the first time I got a fucking joke in it. <laughs> um, So following from following Scott Pilgrim, on page 135, they remake the bread makes you fat joke. Oh, that cracked Written me up. Very light orange at the bottom right of that panel. Under it, it just says, sorry. <laughs> sorry, I made that same joke again. <laughs> <laughs> Which is very funny. I, it's very, I don't want to say self it's very self-aware. Yeah. Yeah, very meta humor, which I appreciate. Lighten the mood a bit, and uh, yeah, not much else to say there. I appreciated it. Yeah, and like I was gonna say that I uh, I hadn't actually even heard of Seconds until y'all told me that we were gonna be reading it for this. And since then, I've read through it three wow. times. I fell in love immediately. I'm really glad to hear that. It's so good. And I'll probably read through it again. Do it. You should check out Snot Girl. I'm probably gonna, I might mention it again at the end, but it's what O'Malley's currently working on. I think he's doing the art for it. I can't remember. Um, but the fashion influences follow through all the same. And it's a really, really interesting story. From what I remember, it's been a while since I've read the volumes that are out, but I enjoyed it. Oh yeah, I'll, I definitely want to check it out. Because I really enjoy him and his art style. And just both of these works. I've only read this and Scott Pilgrim, but I really loved both of them. He, he actually had one work before Scott Pilgrim that I don't think a lot of people know about. Oh. Lost at Sea. I will check that Which out, too. I don't remember a thing about it, so it could be bad, but who can say? <laughs> Before I forget, uh, towards the end of the book, there's a page crediting the assistants, and we've been talking a lot about uh, Brian Lee O'Malley as the creator, so I do want to take a second to read out these names. Uh, Jason Fisher, the drawing assistant, uh, Nathan Fairbairn, colorist, and Dustin Harbin, lettering, or letterer. Uh, in particular, I want to Shout out Nathan Fairbairn, because the colors in this book really lend it so much of its personality. The whole thing has a, not dull, but the whole thing has a, a similar palette throughout it, which allows Katie, who is thematically tied to the color red, to stand out in just about any page she's in. And especially the flashback and revision scenes, which are washed out in a pale pinkish orange, are they would not have nearly the same weight if they weren't colored the way they are. 
Yeah, I, that's a really good point. The coloring is like just a really soft, like kind of toned down color palette all the way through. And it really makes uh, the page where like the stark deep red of the like hellscape world, uh, it really makes that stand out because that's like a very bold red when everything else has been kind of softer in color. Here being bright red leads to the joke at the end where she's dressed as Chrono from Chrono Trigger in the last couple pages. Yes, there was. Depending on whether or not you actually count the skeletons as a Grim Fandango reference, at least one. So, uh, take that, Pascai. Aha! Uh, unless there's anything else you two want to talk about, like I said, I feel like we're winding down here, and we've all made our points for the most part. Yeah, I, I don't have much else to say. I know this is definitely shorter than Klaus was, but we also had a full recap for this one from the start, and I think this is probably about how long recaps are going to be going forward, unless something's really, truly super long. I think it's going to continue to vary, because Klaus was uh, a seven-issue series with four full-length follow-up. Four? Three? There were three when we recorded yeah, three full-length follow-ups, and this was in total 300 pages, which we kind of alluded to. This is a more squat format, a half-size book, so each of the pages might only be three panels. It's It's a much faster read, is my point, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but that definitely affected the the kind of recap we gave it, and well, maybe next month we'll really test the limits of how long a recap will go. Oh, well, we have to draw from the hat, don't we? Uh, okay, so I'm... <laughs> Are we breaking kayfabe? Yes, Is it over you already? Know me. I'm the kind of person who will, who will pull that curtain every chance I get. No! So, uh... Fourth wall? What's that? <laughs> what specifically happened was that I picked Klaus, because it was a comic I wanted to read, and we agreed to start the show in December. And after that, I saw that a book called Seconds was on Kat's list, <laughs> and knew in my heart that had to be our second episode. And so, out of fairness, I'm letting Jake pick the book for February. And since it's in February, we are reading both. Now, the only connection I can make between February and Bones is that my birthday's in February, and each year I get one day closer to becoming a Grim Fandango skeleton myself. No, he's talking about boning. Oh! Valentine's like Day. Valentine's. Like sex? It's, it's the Valentine's Day month. I, I, hmm. I see. Listen, we're rated explicit. You can say sex. It's okay. I've just never said that word before. <laughs> it was weird. Uh, but yes, uh, jokes aside, Jake's told me that Bone is one of his favorite comics, and it's something that I've never read, so I'm certainly excited to take a look at it. And I haven't read it since... I was a kid, so if it is bad, I'm sorry. <laughs> I remember really liking From it. From what I've seen people saying about it, like just in passing, it holds up. I've never consumed any bones, nor have don't, I read this comic. Don't say it like that. 
<laughs> I, I haven't read Bones at all. I don't know. Uh, and since Bone is very long, we will just be reading part one. Excellent. Because that's still like 300 pages. So about this length. And then I imagine volume two will go in the hat and we'll yeah. get to it when it comes up. Yeah, that's yeah. the plan, at least. Aside from that, we did get one question this time. Oh, hell yeah! Uh, sent in from my girlfriend. <laughs> Still appreciated. Uh, what was your favorite quote from the book? Mine was straight up the, uh, the, what, he's a skeleton. Get over yourself. Yeah, that was... I got the question ahead of time, so I, uh, was looking for that while I was reading, and there were two in particular that really struck me. Okay. The first time that Hazel is describing what a house spirit is to Katie, she says, It isn't something dead. It's something alive. Yeah, that that hits hard. That's strong. And yeah. uh towards the the end of Katie's spiral when she's reconciling her new and fucked up relationship with Mac, she says, This was love, right? Love couldn't be a bad thing. And that also just really hit me. That that's a good one. I'm a big fan. That is a really I, good I one. Have, I have two. One is, on the night that Katie's getting really drunk before she revises it, she just says, she dresses up really nicely, and someone's like, oh, what's the occasion? And she's just like, I'm getting married to the sea. And I, when I first read Seconds, I was also reading, it may have ended by this point, but there's a webcomic called Married to the Sea that I enjoyed quite a bit. Oh, I was about to ask if you thought that was a Lost at Sea reference, but... I don't think so, no. So just inspire that, but my actual favorite quote in the book is when Katie, we see Katie and Andrew hooking up for the first time, and she's talking goofy, and he says, don't ruin this with your sass mouth. And she says, you don't like the sass mouth, maybe you should get your sass tongue out of my sass throat. <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> it's really good. <laughs> That's a really good one. Also, bread makes you fat, of course. What? I'm gonna be honest with this one, folks. It's it's not that a line from Scott Pilgrim got brought back that I don't think Bread Makes You Fat was funny the first time. I don't get why it's the thing everyone quotes. I don't get why it's the thing that made it into seconds. I just don't get it. It's because Michael Sarah has the funny reaction in the movie. Yeah, I really think it's just like... The reaction to the information that bread makes you fat. Just the, what? <laughs> I I don't think it would have been in seconds if it wasn't such a popular scene from the movie. Probably Isn't not, yeah. Four years after the movie? Uh, got no idea. About, the movie was 2009 or 2010, um, and this was 2014. This was 2014? <laughs> <laughs> 2009 feels right for the movie, though, because I know that I played through the game and read through the comic in high school, and then was kind of bummed by the movie's ending after reading the comic. It was, uh, 2010 okay. was when the movie came out. Yeah, so around that, yeah. Is that, that feels right. whole thing, because um, the movie happened before the comic ended. Um, yeah, time's fucked up. That was This came out five years ago. Nah, I believe that, because like I said, I remember being a shitty high school gremlin when I first read this. I was 20. I owned an Ava Unit 1 backpack. <laughs> what do you mean owned? It 
was really shitty quality and I used it to carry around my textbooks and it fell apart. Okay, that's fair. It, oh no! I'm just saying, it's not something I would put past a present cat. <laughs> Alright, so... We did our question, we talked about what we're doing next month. I did have one more idea for how I want to end the podcast. That before we do our plugs, I think we should each plug something we've been enjoying that none of us made. Just something, something nice. Ooh, I like that. That's a cool okay. idea. Um, I, I'll go first, question mark? If you've got something lined up, sure. Yeah, I'm just because I've been really enjoying it, I'm going to loop back around and go ahead and plug BB&B. That's formerly Bed Bath & Bionicle, then Bed Bath & Beyblade, and now Bed Bath & B. It's a podcast on the Orange Groves Network that started as a hostage situation and then turned into a much more dire hostage situation <laughs> with puzzles attached to it. <laughs> and it's a fun listen and... Maybe the ARG will still be going when this comes out. Maybe it'll end. We're on the last step as far as we're all aware, or at least with the information we have so far. So, yeah, it it, it starts as a recap podcast where Bionicle lore is explained to somebody who's very sleepy. Yes, and then it becomes a metaphor about content and bits. Yep. And y'all, I really just hope that when we record our next episode, I'm recording from the Red you Star. You be, I think... Somebody's. It's like it's like World of Warcraft: Latch, Wrath of the Lich King, where like there always has to be a Lich King, there always has to be a Bailey. So you'll just put on the crown and become the new Bailey. I'll become Bake. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Uh, so Bake, what do you have for this month? <laughs> um. Well, a podcast that I've really been enjoying lately is uh. The Cosmere Deep Dive podcast. This is a show where um, four people who have read all of, no, three people who have read all of Brandon Sanderson's books in his like big Cosmere series, um, they get together with their friend who's read none of them. He reads a few chapters at a time. They go through the books in release order, and he gives kind of like a explanation of like a summary of what he read. Uh, predictions for the future and then they kick them off they kick them out of the phone call they put up like a spoiler warning thing and then they discuss it talking about uh, what he got right what he got wrong uh, what they're hoping to see his reactions of and I love that format where it's like one person who knows everything and one person who knows nothing I love that format of show and I really like the like analysis of him that they do after they kick him off um so yeah if you like the cosmere books and don't mind spoilers for them uh, um yeah check out the cosmere deep dive do, podcast do they spoil things in a grand context because like i have only read the way of kings is that is that cosmere that's cosmere right yeah that's cosmere um so they haven't actually gotten to that one yet but um they, they start with the first book that he published and then after they kick the guy off the call, they talk about the series in whole. So yeah, they would spoil so it. Listen. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> I, I can only get through so many 1,000 long, page long fantasy books in a given quarter. <laughs> Fair. You want to know a fun fact about his gigantic ass that? books? 
the last Stormlight book was so big that Tor had to invent new ways of binding the books so that they could fit it. And they told him, do not make a book this long again. <laughs> oh my God. That's wild. I like that a lot. Thank you for pointing out. Once I've gotten through tens of thousands more pages, I'll check it out. <laughs> um, Sky, what would you like to plug this episode? So this podcast is currently on hiatus and unknown if it'll be coming back. But as a partial inspiration for this show, I feel like it's worth mentioning anyway. All Along the Watchtower is a DC Animated Universe recap podcast. Part of that was they did their own much smaller scale book club as one of the weekly segments. And the, the entire premise is that they would watch everything in the DCAU, but not exactly in order. So... They started by watching the first episode of Batman, the animated series, and then for every episode after that, they spin a big wheel with every DCAU show on it, and they'll watch the next chronological episode of that show. And so sometimes they get bad luck and just, up entering our fifth week of Batman Beyond. That's good luck. Yeah, that's fair. No, bad luck is... Anytime anyone has to talk about the Zeta projects. <laughs> That's exactly what I was about to say. I don't know what those are. Uh, I'll talk to you about it off the call because we're getting a bit long in the tooth. But okay. uh, yeah, it's a really fun show. And just based on the description, you can probably tell where I drew lines between that and our current show. It's a lot of fun and i think it's worth checking out oh yeah definitely will there's nothing wrong with ripping ideas you like off a standoff was entirely inspired by 294 note street down to the fact that we almost started with a 30 minute timer yeah that's fair i'm just i'm the kind of person who rips something off but then says hey this is why i'm ripping off go check that out too fair uh, with that I've been Sky. You could find me on Twitter at GenuineNoPrize. My name is Kat. You can find me on Twitter at RealKatsuneMiku. That's like real Hatsune Miku, but with a K instead of an H. And you can also find me on a podcast called Standoff, where me and my co-host Kingdom try to find the best stand in JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Objectively, Sky guests on it when we need a tiebreaker. And you can find that show on Twitter at Standoff Podcast. And I'm Jake. You can find me on Twitter at Mr. Jakey Poo. And also, you can check me out on The Great Ninja War. I uh, guested on their most recent episode, episode 10. And it's, a, you know, speaking of shows that are kind of ripping off of other shows, it's a show where they take uh, every character of Naruto and put them in a bracket and rank them to see which one is the best. It's a lot of fun, and you should definitely go check it out. I love that. I'm definitely gonna. Yeah, I've seen maybe three episodes of Naruto total, and I think this is the best way for me to get in. Hell yeah. How? How do we sign off? I was just gonna fade out after plugs. Uh... That's comics, baby. <laughs> That's comics, baby. Enough said. Boo-doo-boo-doo-ba-da-da-da-da-da-da-ba-ba-da-da-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba